hope that you are so excited to be at church. I am thrilled uh, to be here and what God is going to do during this series, it really will not just shape your personal life, our church, our cities. I mean, there's 12 churches coming together right now, praying for, learning about revival. Just one more time, can you be excited to be at church? If you're a Christ follower, come on. It's be so good. So let's take this journey together. In a tumbled down shack in downtown Los Angeles, one of the greatest revivals in America's history began. It was roughly the size of American House and the humble building on 312 Azusa Street, it actually became a holy place and the first stop on our road trip through Revival Town. Thousands of people came to see and experience what was happening and none of them seemed to care how low the ceilings were, how hot it was in there, how many flies buzzed around. This building was a converted horse stable, right? Or even that the seating was often makeshift planks that were nailed to empty nail kegs. None of that seemed to matter. The LA Times wrote about this group of people meeting. It says the devotees of this weird doctrine, weird like forgiveness and love and the resurrection of Jesus practiced the most frantic rites, preached uh, themselves into a state of, or preached wild theories and worked themselves into a state of mad excitement in their peculiar zeal. The world was taking notice of this group of people now, while this building no longer stands in LA, the movement known as the 1906 Azusa Street Revival is still, over 100 years later, still active and at work around the world through the Pentecostal movement and more than 20 million people over 150 countries. Now, if you're new to Faith Promise, our vision at Faith Promise is we wanna win the world by equipping Christ followers to win our world, starting with 1% of Tennessee. Now, 1% of Tennessee is 70,000 people, but we've seen from surrender believers that 70 million were impacted and mobilized to win their world. Looking at revivals builds my faith on what God can accomplish through his people. And I pray, amen, amen, give God some praise. I pray that our faith is risen during this series. So I asked myself, what will the ripple effect be of this win your world movement that is starting here at Faith Promise Church in East Tennessee? I wonder what the revival stories will be told about it. Uh, in history, there's a pastor who I love to read, if you're looking for somebody to read. His name is Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he has this quote that I love. He says, the church always looks like the church in the New Testament when she is in the midst of revival. Whenever the church is operating uh, in revival, it looks like the biblical example of the church. Now, maybe you're new to church or maybe you're just thinking about God, you're new here. Well, we can look in God's word, right? And we can see the first revival break out and it's described in Acts, right? And we actually see this in Acts 2. And I'm just gonna read Acts 2, 42 through 47. And this is describing an amazing revival. The first revival we see in the New Testament. 
And it says in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to breaking of bread. Hallelujah, carbohydrates. It's in the Bible, right? And to prayer. You see that right there? Listen, I'm just going to go and tell you, here's a good tenet. Uh, You can only pray, you know, or you can only eat as much carbs as you are praying, okay? It's in the Bible, right? Make that connection, okay? Okay. Right, it says that everyone was filled with awe and many wonders at the signs performed by the apostles. All believers were together and held everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together. Every day in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So it wasn't just something at the temple. They're meeting at each other's homes. They praise God and enjoy favor from all the people, not just Christians, but all people notice there's something different about this group of people. And this obviously is one of my favorite parts. And the Lord added to their, their number daily those who are being saved. It doesn't matter if there was a church service or not. People were being saved daily. And that's Acts, uh, the, the description of the revival we see in Acts. Uh, Dr. Martin Lord-Jones, that pastor, something else he says I think is great for us today is God does not merely give us teaching like in God's word, but he also gives us history. So for the next month, we will take a look at historical revivals like Azusa Street and really see what revival a coming to life looks like in his church. Because listen, on the road, to, it's easy to find the road to revival when we follow the signs and wonders along the way. Let me say it again. Let's just say it together. Ready? One, two, three. The road to revival is easy to find when we follow the signs and wonders along the way. We're going to have ownership in this. As we look at the road to revival town, I, I wonder what you're asking yourself. What are you looking for? What are you hoping to see? What are you expecting God to do? And if your answer to these questions is, I don't know. I hope that you would get excited whenever you read about the historical accounts in the Bible and in the history of the church. I hope you would get excited about not only what God has done, but what God is doing and what God can do through his people. Now, if you're a little concerned or worried, Right, that somebody's gonna start running down the aisle because I said revival or, or the word Pentecost. You can relax, I promise. Listen, revival is not weird, but it is uncomfortable. And that is okay. Listen, most of the time when we are growing, right, physically, emotionally, all the ways when we're growing, right, we are out of control and it's uncomfortable, right? But God is supposed to be in control of not just our spiritual life, but our whole life. So being uncomfortable is right where we want to be, not only as God's kids, but as his church, and I just want to say, you've heard us say it, but I just, I, it can't be said enough. Revival and the Holy Spirit are not weird. You may say, Zach, well, I saw that TikTok, right? Of that guy or that girl. Hey, I saw that video and they were weird. Listen, if you go back when they were in middle school, before they got the Holy Spirit, they were weird. They've been weird. Let's not blame that on the Lord, right? You'd hate to get to heaven and realize you missed out on something because somebody was weird because you'll have to take responsibility for that. And really one of my favorites, there's a lot of people here this weekend listening that 
you don't really have a context or you don't really have concerns because you don't really have a church background. So none of these words are charged for you and good for you. Because as we take this journey through Revival Town and we're looking at the historical signs of the church, the design that God has for his church, it's gonna be awesome. And listen, no matter where you are today, whether you've, you have a, a past in it, you're pumped to hear it, or you don't have any historical context for what we're talking about, would you just consider what might happen if we all came together instead of driving each other away, instead of pushing each other apart? What if unity is a sign of God stirring up something that can only be described as revival? God stirring up something just special. Now, can I just be vulnerable with you for a moment? There are things in my life that, that cause me to sin. You know, maybe it's just me, but I don't think so. I think we all have things like that. And one of those things for me can be bad drivers. It just can be, right? Now, some of you guys take this too far. If you're one of the people that's like, I'm not putting the MP sticker on my car, because that, that's, a, that's a daggum stronghold, okay? Put your special fingers down and put the FP sticker on your car. That's out of control, okay? Just come on now, that's, that's crazy, right? But hey, can I just get, let's just be honest. Let's just be honest, right? There's something that kind of brings the darkness out in me. Let's just talk about it together. This right here, everybody, is called an acceleration lane. This is called an acceleration lane. If you're not clapping, we're about to talk about you. Listen, listen. The reason it's called an acceleration lane is because you get into said lane and you accelerate to the speed of the cars that are whizzing past you and you merge in slowly so that nobody behind you, me specifically, isn't saying terrible things in my heart so my kids don't hear it, right? Now listen, I'll tell you what it's not called. It's not called a park in this lane and wait and pray for a massive uh, gap in Pellissippi Speedway. That's not what it's called, okay? Okay, okay. Can I get an amen on the acceleration lane, all right? Here's what we can't do, guys. If we leave today and that was the last amen, we're all in sin, okay? So that can't be it, right? All right. So, hey, one of the things we see on the road to revival throughout history is the church merging in unity right in the middle of an intersection between heaven and earth in Acts chapter two in this revival, it says in Acts 2, 44 and 45, and all believers, not some, all believers were together and they had held everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now you may think, well, wait a minute, pastor, does that mean I have to sell my house and come live at the church? Lord, no, please no, right? Actually, when we look in Acts, we see later that there was, the church was undergoing a real, like legitimate persecution, right? And so for the first century Christians, especially in Jerusalem, Unity, spiritual unity looked like for them this communal living and this selling of property and giving and stuff like that. It was really a response to the pressures and the social and economic persecution they were undergoing. So no, it doesn't mean that today that we have to sell everything we have and come live 
at the churches, right? That's not what that means, right? But it does mean in times of others' needs. We, if you are a Christ follower, that we are radical about valuing people over possessions because it shows that what God loves most is people. So listen, this is huge, this is huge. Whenever we merge our, our spiritual beliefs with the physical world, that is a sign of revival. When our spiritual beliefs merge with the physical world, it is a sign of revival. If you are looking for signs of revival in the church and in your heart, you have to ask yourself, do I radically value people over possessions and or position? If not, it might be time to look in the mirror and ask the Lord to merge your heart with his, right? This is what it's time to look, because Luke goes on in Luke 2, 46. He says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread and they were together with glad and sincere hearts. It's what mattered the most to them. Another sign of unity, right, on the road to revival is a desire to be, to meet with other believers. Do you have a group of people that you just love to be with, you love to get together with, right? Maybe for adults, a, a group you like to vacation with or go on double dates with, you like to get your families together to, to swim or go on hikes or play golf, whatever it, it might be. Just people you like to be with or students, Maybe you have a group that you're group texting with, right? Even the people with green bubbles, because we love everybody, right? But you have a group that you're texting with, right? About when you're gonna get together online or at the lunch table, right? Or, or at the next game, but you wanna be together. And when your friends get together, nobody has to check attendance. Nobody needs to. If, if someone's missing, you know they're missing. And you, hey, where you at? I thought you were coming. I wanna see you. Everyone wants to be there. You want everyone there. Whenever you get together with these people, things that are usually a hassle, they're just not such a hassle anymore. If you're looking for signs of revival in the church, and hey, listen, some of you guys, you, 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 maybe you've gotten a little disenchanted with the church. Maybe there's some things about the church you don't like. Me too. But we're not only looking for signs of revival in the church, we're looking for signs of revival in our hearts as well. And if you're looking for those, can I ask you, are you asking, am I excited about being with my church family on Sundays or, hey, students, on, on Wednesdays and Sundays? Or whenever you think about during the week, can you say, I'm looking forward to being with my group, my group of people who are all together. We want to win the world together, challenge each other, push each other forward in the Lord. If not... What would happen if we would merge our excitement to be with people with the mission of the church, which is to tell people about Jesus? I want to remind you again, we're kicking off our groups. And listen, if you are not in a group, I couldn't encourage you more strongly. Just fill out the, even if, even if you just want to check it out, try it out. Listen, you're not signing a contract or anything, but just, just try this. This is a biblical part of growth. And so let us know if you want to be in a group. Uh, you have a QR code. You can put on a communication card. We will call you with your next steps today. Your purpose is our passion. So please, if you're not in a group, join us in a group. 
When it comes to being a group or even coming to church, there's always a reason not to, isn't there? There's always something holding us back, an event, a practice, a nap. There's something that pulls us off of going where we know God is calling us to go. Well, think about those excuses that we all have, including myself, in, in comparison to what the first church saw. In 19, or by 1900, the southern churches were completely segregated. Christianity had split down the line of skin color. And you know what? That did not stop a one-eyed son of a free slave named William J. Seymour from seeing something, even though he had only one eye, seeing something no one else could see. Reverend Seymour believed that blacks and whites worshiping together was a sure sign of God's blessing than, than even people being healed or speaking in tongues. To see people who at that time were so divided coming together and worshiping was just a sure sign of God's moving than anything else. It was written in their, in their paper. It says the Azusa mission stands for unity of God's people everywhere. God is uniting his people and baptizing them in one spirit and one body, one spirit in the Holy Spirit and one body in his church. But listen, when Reverend Seymour arrived in LA in February of 1906, neither he nor anyone else could imagine what would happen next. White bishops and black workers Men and women, Asians and Mexicans, white professors and black laundry women gathered at Azusa Street. Gathered. Because, you know, and you know whenever they walked in, it was like, this is weird. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be around this person. I'm supposed to hate that person. There's no way this is supposed to work out. Even though naturally it was like, this is not right. Spiritually, it was like, this is right. And we have to get to where there's believers who are saying, even though I'm my flesh, I don't like something. Something's pulling me away. I have an offense. I have, I have a division that your spirit says no. Not in eternity where it matters most. Listen, in a far more ornate building than that converted horse trailer, and in, a, in Second Chronicles, there's a, whenever the, the, the temple is finished and God is speaking over that temple, things that will happen in Second Chronicles 7:14, God says, "If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. God is going to keep his part of the promise. The question, believers, is will we keep our and amen? You give God some praise. Will we pray? Will we confess? Will we humble ourselves? That's the question. Over the next few weeks, we're going to keep on hitting that verse. That's, that's a massive verse, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. A great verse for you and your family to memorize in this series. But if you notice, it does not say, if my pastors who are called by my name will humble themselves. God is not expecting for King Solomon or for Reverend Seymour or for Pastor Zach alone to humble ourselves. God is patiently, more patient than he should be, if we're honest, waiting for us to humble ourselves in unity, humble ourselves in prayer, unite ourselves in, in humility, prayer, seek God's face in unity, and turn from our wicked ways in unity. Listen, if you're looking for signs of revival in the church and in your heart, 
Here's a great question. Am I living in unity with other believers? And if you're not living in unity, not just with other believers, but the people in your life, what turns do you need to make to once again merge with Jesus and his church and bring Jesus where you're going into all your relationships? If, if you haven't gone through next steps, if you haven't joined a group, if something as simple as uh, join us for the Purpose podcast once a week, there's so many opportunities for you to take a step in unity and live life with believers who want to win the world to Jesus. And you may say, well, unity is great and all, Zach, but I live in the real world, man. What are you supposed to do when somebody wrongs us online or in person? How do we deal with that and still stay in unity? Well, God talks a ton about it, but I think there's a point where Jesus makes it pretty clear. Uh, Jesus, through his travels, they stop in Capernaum and Jesus is preaching a sermon. And he says in Matthew 18, 15, he says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between you and them. And if they listen, you have won them over. Jesus is super clear, right? And that word, point out their fault, it's, it, it's a word for convict, but not convict as in like, you, you, like a judgment, you did something wrong. It's a convict as in like a, a, a brokenness, a conviction over sin. The aim is not to score points and to be right, but the aim is to win them over and live in unity because our mission and vision as the team is too big to be divided. And can I tell you, calling somebody out on Facebook or Instagram or a group text or a crowded lunchroom or hallway, that's like yanking your way across four lanes of traffic on the interstate without using your blinker, without anything, and saying you did your best to merge. Listen, direct messages and, and phone calls are okay, but I believe Christ follower, what a difference it would make if we would sit down with people that we need to forgive. We need to ask them to forgive us and in love, talk to them about the unity that we desire, more than we desire that God desires. So can I give you a couple ways to win your world this week in unity? We talk about winning our world and, and how we're gonna do that is by living out these two steps on a consistent basis. The first step is what is next in my walk with God? And the next one is who is next for me to impact for eternity? What is next for my walk with God? And who is next for me to impact for eternity? So this week, as you're walking for what is next in your walk with God, will you consider this? What is next in your walk with God? Consider merging with mercy in mind. Consider merging with mercy in mind. Do you give people mercy? Whenever you think about your kids or your spouse or your friends or your coworkers and you think about your responses to them, does the adjective merciful, mercy come to mind? I know that's not always my response. You know, this week I had to apologize to my kids twice. River is five years old. He, I, I catch him eating his boogers sometimes. And I had to sit down and say, buddy, I'm, daddy did not respond with mercy. I'm so sorry. I know that hurts your feelings. And the reason it hurts your feelings is because daddy didn't honor Jesus. And you say, oh, Zach, he's five. And you were probably justified. Well, that's a very natural response, but we're a supernatural people. 
We don't operate by the natural. We operate by the supernatural. So I apologize. I don't want them to live like me. I want them to live like Jesus. But listen, you do not get to know a command from the Lord because of circumstances or especially not because you have some personality type that happens to be a little more aggressive. You know what I'm saying? If we live by what the world labels us instead of what God does, he doesn't label us how he designed us. I think we'll have to pay for that one day. Right? We'll have to give an account for that one day. The word is clear in multiple places that we are supposed to respond by showing mercy. But Jesus makes it very clear in a sermon he's preaching in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. He says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown Let's, let's, let's do that a little better. Matthew 5, 7, Jesus preaching, and he says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown. And listen, you know, he's not talking about, he's not talking about from other people. I don't know about you, I like some mercy from Jesus. I don't know how you've lived your life or the thoughts that you've thought or the things that you've done or the thing you mumble under your breath, but your boy needs some mercy. So I'll be showing, I was, I was on my way to a conversation this week and one of my friends texted me and said, hey man, be kind. And I texted him back that scripture and said, hey, I want mercy. I'm gonna show mercy, right? What a difference it would make. Hey, I know the election's coming up and we're talking about unity. I think what an amazing representation of our eternal focus if we would walk out in love and eternal minded unity and mercy. This week, as you're growing in your relationship with Jesus, like we all are, look at what it would be to take the step of what is next with God by merging with mercy in mind. What about as we go out? Not just us growing, but going out to who is next. For who is next for you to impact for eternity? Merge with those who need God's mercy. It's so easy due to busyness and comfort to never pursue people far from God, but that is not God's desire and that is not God's design for our life. That is not who we're supposed to be. Hey, can we just, can we just be honest? I don't think anybody at any of our campuses today would wanna be described as merciless, right? I feel like the only thing, only person that comes to mind when I think merciless is like, Ursula from Little Mermaid, right? Like none of us want to be merciless, right? What a bummer it would be if, if we were like, hey, describe that person. They were like, yeah, you know, they're, they're grumpy and they're short and they're kind of just merciless all around. What a bummer that would be. Listen, and, and it's definitely not okay for a Christ follower to be described that way. But can you think of anything more merciless than to have the hope of the world the key to the abundant life, the answer to unity and freedom and never share it? Can you think of anything more merciless to have the antidote, the map, the cure and to never bring it up with friends or family members? If we want to see revival, if we want to be merciful, then we have to be intentional to merge our lives, merge our lives with people who need God. Is it crazy that God chose me and you to be his representation of mercy? Absolutely. But I'm just thinking about it. What would be a better example to a sinner who needs God's mercy than another sinner who got God's mercy? And I don't know about you, but that's me. And so let's be people 
who show other people what this mercy is like. Hey, we're going to respond here in a minute. And whether you need to come up for prayer, whether you need to make an altar at your seat, I believe that there are steps for all of us to take in mercy today, in unity today, whether it's an apology, whatever it might be. Let's lead the way. For those watching the services and the people in the building at the Azusa Street, it was obvious for everyone to see that something supernatural, something strange was taking place that could not be easily dismissed. It could not be easily described, but something was happening for people all over the world. Think about in 1906, people all across the world were praising God together in the height of the Jim Crow era. People of all colors coming together. 14 years before the suffrage movement, women were being encouraged to lead and go out and win their world. People were being baptized every day. Listen, it's not just in Acts 2. It's in the history of the church. If God's people will show up and be the church, if we're willing to merge with mercy in mind, if we're willing to merge with people who need God's mercy. But what is stopping us? from merging with each other in unity and with the world who so desperately needs God's grace. Can I ask you this weekend, whatever it is that's holding us back, don't leave with it. Let's merge with God's plan and design today and see revival as we walk in unity. Will you stand as we prepare to respond? God, we come before you right now and we just ask as we worship that really that we would, we would be different, that we would be different, that we would repent, that we would apologize, that we would pray for boldness, that we would merge with mercy. We would merge with people who need your mercy. God, that there would be something different about us, something different about us. Please, God, I just pray for strongholds to be broken of generational curses of hatred and division and cowardice. And God, you would send us out as men and women full of the Holy Spirit, propelled, not living in the doldrums of sadness and depression and anxiety and fear and bitterness and unforgiveness, but pushed out into the grace and the love and the boldness and the surety and the unity that it comes when I say, first and foremost, I'm a man of God. I'm a Christ follower and nothing can take that from me so I can pursue anybody. I can pray for anybody. I can do anything because that is what I live by. Let us see revival. God, meet us at the level of our expectation and our obedience. Move us, Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, amen. In these next few minutes, please respond by the crosses, prayer team. But let's do what the Holy Spirit calls us to do.